What's going on, everyone? It's Ryan Walsh here with another episode of Market Makers. Joining my partners here, Josh and Ian. What's going on, Josh and Ian? Not much. What's going on? All right, all right. Today's guest, uh, repeat guest that we love having on because uh, he just runs probably the most disciplined shop, I think, of all the guests we, we, we have uh, all the time. I mean, we have millionaires and super successful people, and I think this guest is the most disciplined of all of them. So take, take that for you want and give him a chance to talk about it, what that means for himself personally and for his business. But please welcome to the show, Jason Yurusi. What's going on, Jason? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. That's a pretty awesome intro you have going on there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of comments on it. So, so it helps helps having a tech side uh, doing this stuff. So, all right, Jason, I you run, uh, I mean, I, I guess I could just read it from the portfolio. The, the bio that we have here, but in short, you run multifamily, $245 million right now and 2,300 units. Did I get that right? I don't have it in front of me. Is that about right? Right about it. Yeah. We, we've got a couple more that have come online. So we're hovering probably that 25, 2,600 mark, give or take. All right. And how long have you been doing this since? Uh, so real estate back to 2013, predominantly solely multifamily as we transitioned 2016, first acquisition 2017. All right. So that's incredible because basically this uh, stage of real estate, you've basically been doing since 2017, right? And to be able to grow it to what you've been able to grow it to as quickly as you have is pretty phenomenal. Um, and I know you do a lot of coaching and things like that. Uh, you run events. Uh, so tell us, tell us, uh, before we get into how things have been since interest rates, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself and, and just uh, maybe, maybe what got you into real estate and what's kept you here? Um, sure. Where are you going with it? Yeah. If I actually look at our growth, I'd probably say we're on the slow side compared to some of uh, our friends and other people out there. Right. So, cause we put our toe in the water in the beginning, which, which is sometimes really the best case is just to jump in. Right. Um, but, but hindsight's 2020. So where we are is where we are. And we've been really building on that. Um, you know, so came from a family construction background. When I got out of college with a finance degree, I ended up doing the logical thing and went into the uh, bar restaurant world. Right. So, which makes all, all the narrative of where to go. Um, um, so spent a decade doing that. So um, ran some really awesome bars, opened up uh, some restaurants, opened and sold a brewery, and then uh, Hurricane Sandy happened, uh, which, which all of you are familiar with, decimated the East Coast right about 2011, 2012. My dad had a very unique business. He just got him retired where he lifted and moved homes, right? So he would do this. He'd actually lift the entire house right off the foundation for a number of different reasons. One of the best known being flooding. So Hurricane Sandy happens. He's doing 10 or 12 projects a year. His business explodes and overnight he's having a thousand calls a day. So my little brother is working for me. Uh, my now wife, who was a girlfriend at the time, Peely, and myself, we just picked up, left New York City, moved out, and started help, helping dad with the family business. And so we went from those 10, 12 projects a year to anywhere between 250 to 300 projects a year for a number of years following. So really busy time. And here we are just doing a lot of transactions, right? As you can imagine, just thinking of the flipping the wholesaling world, just like how active you are on that side. However, with the complexity of the business, there wasn't a business that I could not work, right? We couldn't sub this out or put other people in place because ideally we're lifting people's most valuable asset in most lights, their home. Plus there's just a lot of risk, right? There's always risk of failure and just injury and all this other. So highly involved. We still have some of the restaurants, some of the other things happening, 
And we're just so busy that we just don't have any time to ourselves. So we just said, you know, something has to change now. Peely's pregnant with our first kiddo at this time. And all, all we're doing is basically trading time for money, right? Time for money. So we kept asking that question, what else is there? And the logical word that came up is real estate. However, real estate serves many natures where it's just this wide, vast ocean, right? You can do tax liens, you can do flipping, you can do Airbnb, you can do wholesaling, you can do wholesaling, you can do um, short-term rental, you can do out-of-state rental, you can be rentals where you are, you do syndication, right? It's just never-ending things. So we did what we thought was logical. Peely pregnant goes, gets a real estate license and myself, we start flipping homes. And what we found is while that was going good, we're just now really busy in the construction business. And here we are really busy in the flipping world. And all we've done is just adding busy on busy. And although things were going good, we just kept asking what else is there? Cause we weren't getting back to the core objective of just to control our day and control our time. Peely meets someone working at a real estate uh, meetup, right? Goes out there. They're doing out of state investing. And that was that part. We just threw our hat in the ring. We said, well, let's try that. And we ended up, instead of buying single family houses, we bought some two and three and four unit properties. And what that allowed us to do is it allowed us to not be in the way. We can no longer run down to Home Depot or go solve the thing or drive this 10 minutes to go do this, right? We had to put teams in place and get back to what we had done to be successful growing some of the restaurants and, and businesses in the city is that we had to put people in place that were in their best seats and we could all work together to accomplish the mission to make these great projects. So that started to do well. However, it quickly really, we realized it wasn't going to be scalable, right? No economies of scale built in. You have these two or three or a bunch of duplexes like all around the country. It just seemed like a logistical nightmare. So happened upon someone who was buying large apartment places. And it was that first discovery where I said, oh, how interesting is this? Because it was that idea where we had had small restaurants and large restaurants, it's basically the same operations, but the scalability and the kinds of scale that comes from having a larger operation, right? Because, you know, just like a restaurant dinner is only five to seven, five to eight, six to eight, right? You can only do so many turns. So if you have a 12 seat restaurant or a hundred seat restaurant, logistically, you could do more with, with the volume. So it made a lot of sense why the bigger investment just made a better play for us. We sold the small projects, went all in with large multifamily, really aligned ourselves to just understand and learn the process, learn how people were doing it. And that was back in 2016. And we acquired our first 94 unit. That was May of 2017. And then that was fast forward today. What was the, we'll say stepping stone to where we are today. Awesome. That I mean, <laughs> so much to touch upon uh, on all that. I mean, First thing I think I want to comment on is I think you uh, started off realizing the problem uh, with real estate. It's not, it's not about getting the business started. It's uh, it's time, right? People always ask you, what's what's more valuable than money? It's time. Every time you, you could ask a billionaire, trillionaire, they're going to say time, right? It's what you're doing with your time. Um, and it's good that, that you identified that sounds like relatively early with you and your wife, especially as a kid coming along, you're like, well, we don't have a choice at this point if, if we want to be involved with our kid's life, right? Um, and you did. And, and you went after it and found a way. I mean, I, I know these two guys right next to me, uh, Josh and Ian, can relate to a lot of things you just spoke about. Um, Josh, you got any comments on, yeah. on what you heard from? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's almost like... For, I, okay, so my first question is, how much do you think the low interest rates were able to help you accelerate your growth when you decided to make that jump into commercial real estate? And not not that it's not possible to do that now, but that the, the more fluid uh, lending policies and things like that it helped you take advantage of an opportunity. 
So we didn't know what we didn't know. And so I think my first loans were in the five and a half, six percent range, mm -hmm. right? That was back in 2017. So it's not like yeah. it was a huge jump. We saw that a lot of that acceleration happen in the last few years, right? And so that trended into a lot of those parts. But when we were stepping out, which that the first couple of loans I did were agency loans. So if you go back to the market today, I could probably replace it with similar debt. The only difference being from then till now is just the jump up in valuation. Right. So yeah. valuations are have trended in, a, in a, just a massive fashion compared to where we've seen with rates. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It, so when, okay. So, so when you guys have so when you guys have the notes, you know, notes that you gotta we're well, usually on like what a five year? Is that about right? Five or seven years, something like that. We have a, we've done a lot of different loans across the transactions. We're coming coming up on a 30 now, give or take on where they are. Um, and we've done everything from agency. Um, we actually are now doing some other agency loans now. We we stepped away for a minute because it wasn't making a lot of sense, right? So just with the leverage you could get just based on the rents and just it, the business plan. Um, but everything some bridge, very limited on the bridge, but we have a lot of bank loans and a couple from credit unions. So the banking loans is predominantly where we've been basically hanging our hat right now today, because you can get into a bank loan. You may not have the best terms, but say you get into a five-year term, 25-year amortization. Sometimes they'll give you 30, maybe you'll get 12 months of IO. But what is the, the best piece is that you'll get a fixed interest rate. Uh, it's not going to be comparable to the agency. If you believe the market is going to level off and come down, it gives me the best position in a year, two years, three years to look at that loan and say, hey, can I refinance? Instead of be stuck into a seven or 10 year agency loan, where if I want to refinance to capitalize on the value, the prepayment is so prohibitive that it's going to cap me on my decision making. So with the bank loan, maybe I have a 1% exit, right? So, or something in that fashion. So I can, I can go make a good choice today and say, okay, you know what? Three years from now, interest rates are still hanging out. Well, great. I got another 24 months to figure out where to go with this loan. Most of the time they'll re-up those loans with another five-year term. So ideally it puts me in a good spot to have multiple decisions I can make without um, really limiting my exit. Do you see, do you see other people in your space uh, that maybe didn't make the same decisions that are getting crunched by the, uh, the interest right now, like that are getting hurt. Maybe, you know, they took like a variable rate or something like that and it's hurting them. Yeah, of course. I mean, no one expected this, right? It's been a massive run up. Right. And so we, we have had a massive run up in rates to a point where um, even with the talks are level off and it just keep going. Maybe we just have a little bit more left it left in it for it to go there. So, yes, a lot of people made decisions where they were using a lot of floating rates, because if you look historically over a five or 10 year average. Right. If you put out a fixed rate versus a floating rate, although you take more rate or more risk in a floating rate, you actually made out in a five or 10 year average better on the float floating rate, because predominantly most of the time the advantage is that the, the price is already priced into the fixed rate loan, right? So with this point, you're already paying more for the fixed rate loan where you actually make better off returns with the floating rate um, loan. So if you look at that based on decision-making over the past 6, 12, 18, 24 months, people have looked at it historically and said, okay, cool, look at this. Well, if I go with a floating rate loan, right, maybe it exposed me for a little bit, but I'm not going to be exposed to three, 400 basis points. Hmm. I remember when we did the uh, market makers event, Josh, we were just talking about this where um, there was a guy. So Richard Oliver was on stage and that he's got many thousands of units. And one of the comments he had made uh, was that he was willing to pay a little extra for the for the fixed rate over a value, variable rate. And this was back in like 19, like before any of this really occurred. It sounded it, was like seven, it, was I, it was like 17, 18. Was it? it was, oh my gosh. Time yeah. flies. But, but right. you know, it, it was so, um, it, it was like back then it was like, all right, I guess he, guess he knows something. But now, now is when what Jason is talking about is, you know, you, you recognize that statement as like, okay, I get why he said this now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So do you think there's going to be a reckoning for a lot of people that really got too heavy on the on the variable rates? Is that are we looking at like a bunch of these things flooding the market or we're not really there? To be seen. Right. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's just yeah. like across the country, just like mass exits, mass chaos. Because, because on the other end of that, we have the other issue where we just have a, such a, a constraint in the housing supply. So you see the run up of rates, a run up of rents. Right. And that's a lot of the things that, that saved us before is we have such a run up of rents where with the housing values going up and the interest rates going up. Now, homeowners who want to move out to buy a home, they can't do it. Right. So they're going to be stuck to be renters for longer because even in the last 24 months with the run up in valuations, even if you're out there with such a competitive market, so you have. 30 home buyers going out for each house and only one of them gets it that leads to another 29 right and if they can only afford a 2000 or 1500 hour mortgage payment right and maybe that gets them a 300,000 hour house before and now all of a sudden now it cuts down to 175,000 hour house but there was no 300,000 hour houses before so there's not going to be 175,000 and on the same front if we want to go out there and build right this will be the only year since 2007 where where supply should outstrip demand but then we're going to quickly go back the other way now next year where with the rise of interest rates and still just just the cost to go and build lack of being able to have employment or people can go out there to do the labor and then regulatory right that's the other piece even if i wanted to come and just build today it's not like everybody here you know downtown at the permit office is like yep here's your permit right there's time to get in there and you have to make sure that things are according that that's meeting the of course plan of the of the city of the state right so you have a lot of reasons why we're going to continue to have buildings in place where even if with the rise of an interest rates, you see a constraint where you still have high occupancy and you still see rate in increases, even if they've tailed off. How is that impacting your buildings? Your like, are, are, are you seeing turnover right now or is it kind of just status quo and, and uh, you know, whatever, like, are you still raising rent and things like that? Oh, how is, how's yeah. your, 2,600 units looking right now. Yeah. So we're in, we're in seven markets and most um, we're raising rent in a couple that were being, you know, like uh, we have one that's in South Nashville, right. And that's got about 24, 25,000 units coming online. So we've been a little slower raising rents on that one, but it was a, it was a quick turnover to building. So we're still on trade outs. At least is getting anywhere between two and $500, right. We're just not pushing up as much on the rents right now as we just continue to level off there. But again, like we're, we're seeing turn, but it's just, it's, it's expected turn and it's not mostly because of our rent increases, just because people are moving or they just, you know, can't afford where the prices are, just whatever the part. But we really, if I look across the portfolio, we're at a good spot continually on where occupancy is trending and we continue to have a number of people out there applying for, for apartments. So. Are, are you doing anything with like your, your financial investors? Uh, like, I guess what I'm asking is, is there anything you're preparing for it? Cause it kind of sounds like not really like you kind of just business as usual until things change. Is that, is that accurate? We, again, right. Keep it the part here where we can have a five-year vision. So a lot of us, we have bank loans. I have one floating loan, but I have a rate cap on it and we've been in the cap. Right. So we've been in the cap for a number of times. So I have no more upside exposure to it. So the goal here is just continuing with the business plan, get these things leased out, get these things renovated, maximize on the business plan. Um, some of these we've been a little slower just to put our capital out for some of the construction, just to make sure as we continue to season the market right now, um, especially we have a construction loan built in. Right. So we've also looked at just really where we stand because 
some things that have happened is instead of spending, you know, eight, 10, 12, $15,000 in some of these unit renovations, we've actually been able to curtail some of these expenses or just some of these renovation costs and still get a sizable increase in the rent. So it's actually helped in our, in our favor right now. Well, I, I got a kind of a follow-up or a tangent here. What kind of markets you in? Like you so, said, you're in seven markets. Sorry. Yeah. So right now we are, and when I say market, it's not state. I'm still very market specific. So like I invest in Nashville, but I don't invest in Clarksville or Chattanooga or Memphis or Knoxville, right? I'm solely just in Nashville and the MSA. Nashville, MSA, Atlanta, MSA. I'm over in North Carolina, just around the Greenville market. I'm in Columbia, South Carolina, Cleveland, Ohio, Little Rock, Arkansas, and Baltimore, Maryland. So the, the reason I ask, Ian and I were looking at some, we're talking about a portfolio that we were looking at uh, to lend against in um, the Poconos in Pennsylvania, right? Vacation area, all this kind of stuff. And I, I noticed something that over the last two or three weeks, we've gone from having the vast majority of the comparable activity being mm-hmm. sales to now I'm seeing an explosion in these tertiary markets of listings on the market that aren't selling. And all of them are higher or, you know, super close to that highest sales price. And I know that this is a, you know, it's different. You're, you're looking at much bigger projects and things like that. But I think there's, there's a tie in here where in the tertiary markets and even primary markets, like I think Philadelphia and, you know, these more densely populated areas, we're seeing a lot more, I don't know, declining prices, longer days on market, you know, but then you've got these secondary cities, and, I, and I, I'm going to use Lancaster, Pennsylvania as an example, but I think Nashville may, may fall into that category where it's a smaller population, but you have a lot of the benefits that you have of a lo- larger city. You've got the dining, you've got the, the culture, you've got you know, a lot of the things, but the lower population is lower crime, it's lower, you know, a little bit more of an intimate environment where I don't really see a huge impact in those markets at all because a lot of people want to live there. And the price points are significantly lower than what you see, you know, in more metropolitan areas. And so it's still a value. And like, and so if you're in markets like Nashville, you know, there could be a heck of a lot of upsides still to be had. Whereas in a lot of other parts of the country, there's, you know, we could be seeing the turning point. And I guess as so, kind of yeah, you want to look at your job growth and your job diversity, right? That's a big thing. You're going to have that, but also access, right? So a lot of our, we have our seven figure multifamily mastermind. We have about 75 groups in there, right? Businesses that are doing the same thing. And the question for them is sometimes they're looking at these markets like, Oh, I can get this at, at a steal and all these parts. Right. But the, the goal is like, okay, fine. You can do that. But if you're going to hold it for five years, who's going to buy this from you? Right. But if you have to go and you like take a plane to take a train to take a bus to take, you know, to walk a thousand feet to get to the building. Right. It limits your access to buyers. So and you're taking on a lot more risk because on the other side, you have to see you have a town of three thousand people and you have, you know, a 300 unit building. You basically need like one of 10 people that are living in the city to live in your building. Right. So you have to look at your exposure on that side. So tertiary markets, they can offer bigger upside. Right. And potentially you can get more reward on that. However, you're taking a lot more risk because there's a lot of things that are outside your control from a macro level. Right. That are going to affect you. And then those people typically are not going to have the employment that's going to serve to keep them rented. Right. Because you can get the rents. Right. Maybe. But are they going to pay?
right? And that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. Are they going to pay? So when you stay in markets and you're in a market that has a population, has a moderate population, doesn't have to be huge run-ups in that part, but people are constantly coming. And the reasons they're coming because there's jobs, you're going to have a good backdrop where people are coming and there's jobs and the jobs are diverse. Meaning there's just not one employer that's going to either make the market. You're always going to be in a position to have opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look, you're looking at it at a more macro level than somebody who's uh, just flipping a house in a certain area, because I can just look at certain comps in almost any area in the country and have an idea of what that property is going to be worth in a year yeah. but to do what you're doing. Yeah, you, you got to be looking at what's going on with the entire city, right? Are people going to be moving out or moving in that kind of thing? And I, I think you, you nailed on so many things because there's a lot of people that try doing what you do and uh they, they always end up in Mississippi or Louisiana. And it's like, not that there's anything wrong with those areas, but hmm. is it actually growing? Is it going to yeah. become an area where uh, job markets are coming in? And like you said, is there more than one employee or employer, right? You know, bringing in jobs. Um, so, I, and I think the most important thing you said, and this is just spans real estate. What's your exit if things go south, right? Um, and, and that's what you said, like, is somebody gonna be able to buy us from you in five years? And it sounds like you're making sure all of your, your projects, I have an exit if things go south. Yeah. I once was asked to partner in a project and, they, and it, that was the question. I was like, we're just in like a way out there market. Like what's the plan for the exit? And they're like, well, we'll just figure it out when we get there. And I was mm. like, not a good business plan on this side of, of oh that like sends chills down my spine when i hear <laughs> yeah. that like oh hard, right because it's just yeah. like if you look at that it's just you want to have options right even if the option is to hold it long term you know refi hold it get investors like okay cool like but who's going to come rent right who are going to be people there like why are they going to be there right because and the same thing with housing is that housing is a tough place right now because the interest rates like you know the the, the data shows if we get back into like a five five a five seven like like 30 year mortgage we'll start seeing a lot of people come back to the table but today you know i was talking to a guy the other day got his home at auction here in in nashville or like in murfreesboro right owned it back since 2020 right so uh, they sell a lot at auction so so he's had a huge run-up in valuations right so the the person who brought it the agent brought it to him for, for the auction auction right there was he's trying to get him to, to, to sell right now he's had about three hundred thousand dollars at the house is gone up but he's like if i sell like i can't where am i gonna go like i can't like replace this like right i can't replace this today so you have a bunch of people out there that do have a home today maybe they want to go sell and capitalize the value but they have a two three four percent interest rate now they're gonna go out to market and they're gonna be exposed about a seven and a half and probably get more house right so it doesn't serve them to jump out to the market plus it, it just the the inability for us to have some clarity limits a lot of people on making decisions Right. So a lot of people out there within the part where they're just not sure what's happening out there in the market. Right. Are we going to have this crash? If you look at the news, every other news channel, every other clip, it's just some kind of thing that's not speaking positive. Right. And so you, you have something leveling off or just getting us, uh, you know, consistent to the chaos. Like same thing happened with, uh, with COVID. We saw just a bunch of uncertainty, a bunch of chaos. Right. But when we got used to the chaos, you'll put that in quotes right there. Then things started happening again because every, it just became not same old, but it, but something that was happen, happening in routine. Right. So here's where it is. Here's where we are. Right. So banks started leveling off. People started coming back from lending. We started seeing a bunch of people doing transactions again. But right now, no one knows what to do, including banks, right? They don't know how to go out there and price deals either, right? Because they don't know where we're going. So a lot of them are sitting on the sideline. So it limits us on all sides. 100%. I mean, we're, we're lenders. And yeah, we're not as aggressive as we were two years ago. Correct. Yeah. It's just because until until we feel confident the market is going one way or the other, 
you know, it's, it's, it's money, right? We got to protect our money first. That's what we always say, you know, we're lenders, but we protect our money first. And 100%. that means putting more risk on the clients, to be honest. I mean, it means they're going to have to bring a little bit more cash, things like that. Yeah. Um, but they also get the biggest reward. So it's kind of fair, right? The, the risk reward kind of thing. Um, now, Jason, we're, we're almost at time here. So uh, I could keep talking to you for a long time, but I, I, <laughs> I got three things I want to hit real fast. One, cool. why do you wake up at 432? You know, four, three, two, one, go get up, right? And many times when you start saying, I'm going to get up earlier, it's like, I get up at 4.30, I go at 5.30, and then all of a sudden, 10 minutes doesn't matter, right? But when you just do that, you just set the stage, right? You set your morning, and right, when you get a win out of the board and you start discipline, no matter what, none of our days go perfect, right? Each day, we walk into a day that's just the unknown, right? Are things going to go perfect? No, we shouldn't expect them to, and lots of bad moments make bad days when it's just a bad moment. But if you start the day off on the wrong foot, those bad moment moments lead to a lot of bad days. But when I control myself in the morning, I get disciplined, I get up, I do my routine, I make sure I make it happen. I've created a win. And now the rest of the day is going to go. I'll be ready. <laughs> you need to be, or maybe you already are, you need to be a, a, a life, like a personal, you know, Terry, you guys know Terry, of course you know Terry Cruz, right? He's just oh, like, yeah, yeah he's, he's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, feel, I feel like you'd make a good yeah. take. Just, just I like, thought, I thought he was gonna say four, three, two, because there's a, there's a, that's a frequent, that's a Tesla, that's a Tesla thing. Have you ever looked into that? Four, three, two? No, I haven't. Okay. I thought, I, yeah, I, I think thing. I sort of know uh, the tie in there, but no, I yeah. haven't into it fully. So, there's some more magic going hard, on in your day there. Because you know, you get up at 445 or 450, it just doesn't matter, right? Then you're yeah, like, sure. like another 10 minutes, but. People who are like, oh, I'm just going to hit the snooze. Like you never sleep for 10 more minutes. You're like, oh, I feel better now, right? You just, <laughs> Not it's once. Not same once. exact, <laughs> right? Just get up and just get going. Your day's ready. The same position would have been 10 minutes later. All right. So so for anybody who awesome. wants to reach out to Jason, uh, at the bottom, we've had scrolling his Instagram, Jason Yerusi. Uh, he's also got his site, yerusiholdings.com. Uh, he can help you just, even outside of real estate, he can just, just, put discipline into your life, but it always translates to your business. And he's obviously an expert in his business. So Jason, um, do you got anything coming up, either events or just coaching? What, what, what can you share with people? Yeah. So we launched our live 100 podcast talking about our hundred mile mindset and just the Akato principle we, we've done to just break our habits, build our future and magnify those results. So that's been new out there. Live 100 podcast with Jason Yerusi, but ideally past that it's our discipline to just keep doing what we're doing here in the real estate market. You can find everything you have at those uh, acronyms below at Jason Yerusi on Instagram and uh, Yerusi Holdings. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate your time, Jason, awesome. Josh, Ian, yes. you guys got anything else you want to end with here? We're at time here. So that was good. Jason, I'm I'm like jazzed up. I'm ready to go take over the world. <laughs> I love that, man. I love it. Good. Right. Good. Have a great day, man. That's you too. You all. Appreciate your time, Jason. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. See ya.